Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for August 28th is Ezekiel chapters 5 through 8, Spiritual Cause and Effect. And the spiritual comes first. So the decisions we make, the things that we do in the spirit, the decisions we make are followed by physical ramifications. And this is what we are seeing play out in Ezekiel chapter 5. God tells Ezekiel to go and shave his head and his beard and to divide the hair up into three parts with a scale. How much did his hair weigh? How accurate were those scales back then? But nevertheless, he follows the instructions, and they're all prophetic signs, things that, things that were spoken in the Spirit that represented things to happen in the flesh. And not good things either, because there are consequences to our choices. Some people would say, well, it's not fair that those people would be destroyed because of their sin. Some people would say God is so self-centered that he would have people just bow down and worship him. Like, how boring is that? But my friends, what a naive point of view. I would say that those are the wrong questions. You're making assumptions that are not true. If God is self-centered, it's because he is the most wonderful object of worship that is available in all of the creation and everything beyond the creation. There's nothing greater. There's nothing more worthy. There's nothing more wonderful or amazing than the God we serve. And as for the argument that people didn't know any better or they were just following their hearts, God has been telling people from the day he created them what to do in order to be happy, how to be happy. Adam and Eve, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm, I'm warning you, don't do that or else you will die. But people don't believe God and then they suffer the consequences. And we say it's not fair, it's because we're feeling sorry for ourselves. We're making ourselves the victim, which means we're holding on to grudges and we're being proud because we think we know more than the God who created us and the circumstances that we are facing. There's a spiritual cause and effect to every decision that we make. If you choose to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Jesus the way we are told to do, you will feel momentary discomfort or pain as you pick up your cross, as you don't do the thing that you want, that you know is wrong, but you want it anyway. But as you train yourself and you get better and you learn that denying yourself is actually good and actually you're storing up reward for yourself in heaven, you're maturing, you're becoming into a better person, it becomes easier and it snowballs and pretty soon 
You become more and more like God and less like the person you used to be. And it's wonderful and it's glorious. And you'll never want to go back to your sin. You'll look at the way you used to act and think, how could I have ever lived that way? Those things could never bring me happiness now because I'm a different person. I don't desire those things anymore. Praise God for that. That is the gospel, friends. That coupled with the fact that he's made the way for us. He sent his son to pave the way for us and to pay the sacrifice that we could not pay. He purchased us with the shedding of his own blood so that we would not have to be slaves to sin any longer. That is the good news. And then there's this prophetic word in chapter 6 about against the idolatry. And the analogy is used of being promiscuous towards these idols. God says, I was crushed by their promiscuous hearts that turned away from me and their eyes that lusted after their idols. We have the picture of a marriage and a husband and a wife coming together. But imagine your own wedding day, whether it's come or not. Imagine what it would be like if the bride was scanning the audience on the way down the aisle to be married. And she was scanning not just to see who was there, but to see who she could make eye contact with, who she could flirt with and maybe have a fling with later. Imagine the groom, how he must feel. My friends, that is how we make God feel when we chase after idols, things that will give us pleasure apart from him. And we are all guilty of it. Chapter 7, the end is prophesied. An end, the end has come on the four corners of the earth. The end is now upon you, Ezekiel says. How does God bring about the end of something? How does God bring about suffering? How does God discipline those whom he loves? Isn't it through the hand of Satan? God says, I will punish you for your ways and for your detestable practices within you. Then you will know that I am Yahweh. Some people might say, how petty. It's because you don't know him, friend. If you believe God is petty, it's because you don't know him. If you find any fault with God, it's because you don't know him. His ways are above our ways. He's so much wiser. Can your two-year-old child prove you wrong? A two-year-old child is light years ahead of where we are in comparison to our Heavenly Father and when it comes to His knowledge and His understanding. But God typically brings about punishment by the hand of Satan. Satan has a job to do. It's to expose our flesh. It's to show us the areas that we have to work on. 
It's how God points out our areas of weakness, our vulnerabilities. And it's in his kindness that he leads us to repentance because his love beckons us, calling us deeper and deeper into relationship with him. And our sin gets in the way of that. And so he allows us the privilege of being made aware of our sin so that if we just love him enough and we are just humble enough to admit that he's right and we're not, we will lay down that sin and then even go a step further and say, God, please help me. Help me be like you, Father, for I am painfully aware of how unlike you I am. So please change me. Give me a heart like yours so that I can be made like you, so that I can partner with you to advance your kingdom on this earth. Too many of us are so wrapped up in the things that we want, we don't really care on a very personal level, seeing God's kingdom come on this earth. He's calling us, though. He's beckoning us and saying, won't you come labor with me? And it's the people who reject him, like these Jews of long ago who were so hard-hearted, like many in the church today, like the majority of churchgoers today, I would even say, at least in America, that we are so hard-hearted and that God cannot get through to us because he's a gentleman and he allows us to make our own decisions. But many of us refuse to choose him and God is saying, I won't make you choose me, but if you don't, there will be pain, there will be suffering. But if you do, it will be glorious. If you do choose me, it will be glorious and wonderful. I will give you abundant joy, he says. Jesus actually said that. Can you believe that? Jesus actually said, I have come that your joy might be complete. The problem is that we don't understand that and we don't believe it. We're deceived by the world system because we listen to the world system more. It's been said that if you repeat a lie often enough, anyone would believe it. We are repeatedly inundated with lies in our system and we have to come out of that mindset to come out of Babylon so that we can think rightly, so that we can obtain the mind of Christ. Ezekiel has another vision in chapter 8 of God on his throne. He must not have been too frightened or too terrified. He didn't run the other way when God revealed himself. He wasn't like the people at the base of Mount Sinai when Moses went up into that cloud, that thunder storm on top of the mountain. And they said, no, Moses, you go. You talk to God for us. We, we're, we're too afraid. Ezekiel had great faith. Pray that we would have that faith. And we see a description of the, the sin. 
he's taken up by the spirit and then he's given visions of people in the temple worshiping doing these pagan temple worship practices when the women were crying for Tammuz or however you pronounce that name it was a it was a god it was perhaps some people viewed it as the husband of Ishtar a fertility god there are people bowing down and worshiping the sun god is saying in my temple they're worshiping these other gods they're literally bowing down to these other gods not any longer i would rather destroy the temple i don't want to destroy the people but i will destroy the people if they won't repent because i'm not going to allow them to infect everybody else with their wicked and foolish thinking may god bless us and give us power to overcome our sin father god please give us the ability give us faith give us the drive to wash our minds with your word father may we be changed so we no longer desire the wickedness the false gods the idols that cannot satisfy let us not be people who hew out for themselves cisterns that are broken that can hold no water let us go to the fountain of life who is the source of the living water who will give us the water that we need that we will never thirst again may god bless you as you seek him friends thank you for being on this journey we will see you tomorrow